Welcome back, everybody. This is the Resistance Broadcast. I'm John. How are you today? We are going to talk about the best casting decisions in the history of Star Wars. We're talking over 40 years of Star Wars. What are the 12 best decisions made uh, in terms of casting? So we'll get into that later in the Kessel Run. A lot of fun topics coming up in the Will of the Force. With me, as always, James and Lacey. Um, It's been a crazy week. The Mandalorian debuts uh, two days ago. Um, so we are just fully on our way on this journey, an eight episode journey, one eighth of the way through another episode coming out tomorrow, the second episode of eight. So we're going to be a quarter way through this series by tomorrow night. Um, our Mando fan, those shows fire enough guys, how are you feeling about, uh, just in general, no spoilers or story or anything, just in general about we're in the era of the Mandalorian. We're here. I can't believe it. <laughs> that was like, the most I lackluster. <laughs> I can't believe I, it's it. Because, like, if you listen to me on Monday, I'm like, I just, I still can't wrap my head around how much content is going to be coming out right. around one show. Don't, don't even think about the fact that Resistance is happening at the same time, and not, and Rise of Skywalker, you know, is coming out. Mm-hmm. We're also in the middle of, you know, Force Collector and like others. You know, what I mean, it's just like, oh my gosh, right? So much. Yeah, absolutely. But if you want to hear all about it, you should probably go watch the Mando fan show because we're not Mm -hmm. talking about it here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We're not we're not here today to start spoiling stuff for you because, I mean, what we saw was pretty cool. And, you know, we're not going to get into the story details. I mean, it's I I watched it a few times myself already now, and uh, I'll probably go watch it again after uh, we finish up here. But um yeah, I was just thinking about it the other day. We'll have to, you have to watch the Rise of Skywalker three times plus an extra half hour to watch as much hours of Star Wars as The Mandalorian. Yeah, and think that think of that as all new content. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I like the idea of the the storytelling aspect of uh like stretching it out stretching out the dough a little bit whereas in a movie you have to be like chunk 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 and we're moving it along whereas this is like really uh getting into things uh in a different mm-hmm. sort of way and uh, as they painted that picture and it it's it makes me excited about the future of Disney Plus shows in addition to the Mandalorian you know what i mean like a kenobi series is coming i know james you're not big on that but you know, Cassian, you know, I know that that might be having some trouble, but, you know, the prospect of future things like maybe a solo series, you know, that stuff gets me so excited. And based on what Bob Iger said on that conference call, it looks like, you know, the movie hiatus is going down. So 2022 may be the earliest. So this is our Star Wars content for the for the podcast to talk about in addition to the animated stuff, but also just literally content uh, absorption. Right. Let me ask you, if you have the opportunity to to switch history and make either the Clone Wars was actually a live action TV show or Rebels was actually a live action TV show, which one would you pick? Lacey, what do you think? Probably Rebels. I agree. I'd like to see a live action Ahsoka. I agree. Mine, mine. The only reason for mine is, uh, McGregor versus Ray Park. Do it that way. Mm. Such that a waste of cool. that. That's my biggest regret in Star Wars canon. I bet if you put hooked up lie detector tests to the people who made that show, they would have rather have saved that for 
live action duel between Ray Park and Ewan McGregor. They might end up doing it. But that yeah, they'll have to do it where you know it's not a fatal ending. Mm. Like so, is there going to be a trilogy of fights between these guys where it's well lightsaber duels? I should say. Like I said a while back, I think it's possible that Darth, if they do come into contact with each other, you would Darth Maul would have to believe that he was killed or something that 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 Ewan McGregor Obi Wan was killed because then when he finds out later that he's still alive, it's surprising. Right. Right. Yeah, he's gonna have to like kick him down a a famous Star Wars chasm or shaft or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, like Obi Wan hasn't fallen down giant chasms enough. Right, right. Yeah. Um, no, I mean it's it's a great time to be a Star Wars fan, and um, you know we have some fun topics to get into now. So, are you guys ready to fire up a little Will of the Force? Yep. All right, James. Where is he? Where's our buddy who beat up Hondo? I fear nothing for all this. As the force wills it. Bays? No, this isn't one. Or uh, yeah, one with the force. It's will of the force. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah, there we go. I got caught up in my words there for a second, but right. uh, no, we're glad to have cheer it because uh, we love this segment. Nice. Um, hey, because uh, we just did all those big changes to our Patreon page, we just thought let's go ahead and just do an all will of the force uh, Patreon version uh this week so we just decided to pull all questions uh from specific uh patreon members so we're just going to get into it right uh the first one came from general carmelo and this is via our resistance base in espana hey (laughs) all right yeah so um much like vimerati uh general carmelo is holding it down uh, over there. Uh, the question is, will the Mandalorian include a force sensitive character? Lacey, you're first on this. So my heart wants to say yes, but my head wants to say no, because I feel like this, (laughs) this show is going to be like, kind of like solo. It's like no force. Get that out of here. We're focusing Mm. on dark and, dirty bounty hunters and people that have weapons and blow stuff up and fight with their fists, not with their minds and lightsabers. So I'm going to say no. John, what do you think? You agree with Lacey on this one? Um, um, yeah, I think I do. You know, Solo snuck in Maul using the force. So every Star Wars has had the force in it. They've snuck it in in some weird way right. and even use the force by getting his lightsaber. <laughs> yeah. But I, I agree. I think uh, they want to s- put their foot down with the Mandalorian and say, no, this is old West time. Um, now the danger is there's a lot of hours in the show and there's already a second season coming. So the odds increase that will bump into someone. But uh, yeah, I agree. I, I, um, I don't, uh, no, I don't think we will see a force sensitive persona <laughs> that was our chance of having a perfect round because i'm going yes on this who who me who would be force sensitive yeah uh anyone i i think uh a bounty could be force sensitive 
Um, you bring up the point that there's a lot of hours, so we, it gives the opportunity to bump into someone. But I actually think that if as long as you keep your main cast not force sensitive, having them run into like you know something very heavily force related or a force uh, person who believes in the force or could use it to some degree um, is is likely. I think that they could do that because. No matter how force sensitive a show you have, you're going to get a little bit of that war. And no matter how much of a war censored show you have, you're going to get a little bit of the force. So I All think right. uh, I think you're going to get it. All right. Um, next question is coming from Commander Mark at Dekine Awakens, also holding down a uh, base very far away in Hawaii. Yes, that's but, our uh, Hawaii base. Yeah, our Hawaiian base, <laughs> the big island. Uh, right. Um, all right. His question is, will dark Ray have any lines in the rise of Skywalker? John, you get to, you get to go first on this one. You think dark Ray is going to be talking much? No, I don't know. I don't like this whole dark Ray thing. <laughs> Why? She's in the trailer. I'm just so like, uh, yeah, I'm just, enough like <laughs> you know this movie's not ending with ray like evil so whatever this is is going to be very temporary and going to be one of those things where it's going to be like oh is it uh, uh. and she's going to end up being <laughs> alive and the hero and at galaxy's edge hugging little girls being their inspiration so this is all like it's just nonsense it's it's when you know the end game of it it loses its luster so I don't need this thing talking, whether it's a clone, God, if that's a clone, uh, or if it's a vision <laughs> or whatever. I, I don't need more dialogue for a fake Ray. So no. Lacey, do you agree Garbage. with that? Or do you think she's going to have at least literally one word? Then John wrong is John. Or then John is wrong. First of all, the fact that John explained his answer with, huh, <laughs> It's <laughs> answer. People were like, eh, uh, and I was like, no. <laughs> um, I think she will. I think Dark Ray will have at least one line in this movie, whether it be like you're turning to the dark side or you can't stop this or you'll never defeat me. Like there's got to be one line. That she gonna, says. Is it going to sound like Daisy Ridley? Yeah, probably with like more of a darker. Eh, I sound. never thought about it like that before. <laughs> That's just. <laughs> <laughs> all you did was sound I, like Palpatine. That's all that sounded yeah. like. Oh. You had uh, to be like, <laughs> I'm higher. Oh. What else? It's like. <laughs> I never thought about it like that before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's better. That just sounds like a witch. Okay. Whoa. Well, <laughs> yeah. Like a gremlin. Hmm. <laughs> Go ahead, James. Um. I yeah. I I agree with Lacey. I absolutely think she will. Um. One of my reasons too is that the most of the time, if this happens out outside of the movies, because in the movies we've seen you know Darth Vader that whole thing. Well, Darth Vader didn't say have any lines. Okay. Well, maybe, but. Most of the time that you have, if this is a vision, like these kind of like uh, confrontations with yourself or whatever, there is dialogue, you know, 
um, whenever they're facing like what the, what they're most afraid of and, and things like that, there usually is dialogue here, like with the Grand Inquisitor talking to Ezra and uh, all sorts of other examples. So I agree I think with animation, that, but live action, no. Well, we haven't seen much of it in live action. That's why I'm saying. But I think like generally when these happen in the lore of Star Wars, there is text there. And I think it gives her the opportunity to... Uh, you know, play that role a little bit. You know what I mean? And I think that could be interesting to see. Um, I don't think her voice will be much different though. I don't think she'll still have like a Darth voice or something. I yeah. think it'll I just think be it her be some- saying things like we could be powerful. You know what I mean? You could come with me. We could, right. you know, I think it could be kind of a thing. Something where it's like her voice, but it has like a reverb or something on it. Like it doesn't yeah, have to maybe- be dark like dark it could just be like a darker version well yeah okay like i think that if that was the case then that's probably more of like the dream of it like right. having an effect but her voice is actually the same um but yeah right. but, but that's all here nor there um well, no, i think she's gonna have way, lines so yeah <laughs> hey, John, get out of here <laughs> uh the next question comes from major darth hurricane uh which is funny because it all sounds like one thing like there was a major darth hurricane the other day uh, right. but anyway uh the question is and this is a little bit of a two-parter you kind of snuck this one in will r2d2 shoot a lightsaber to someone in the rise of skywalker like he did in return of the jedi and follow up if he does will it be luke's green saber uh lacy you're starting this one off i would say Again, this is one of those things that like what my heart wants versus what my <laughs> head thinks. Mm-hmm. My heart wants Wait, him Christina to. Christina Aguilera? <laughs> what name was that? What I'm sorry. What a heart wants, what a head needs. It's like my heart's saying yes, but my body says no or something like that. What? Genie in a bottle. I'm a lightsaber in an R2 unit. <laughs> yeah. You rub his head and the lightsaber comes out. All right. Well, <laughs> well my off. body is telling me. My body is telling me no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think that he will not. I think he's going to be too busy in an X-wing or helping out somewhere where there needs they need to open locked doors than <laughs> shooting off lightsabers. Oh, I'd love to see Ray. him in an X-wing. I like that. Yeah, I think BB-8 is going to be with Ray and Dio. I don't think R2 is going to be with Ray. Hmm. So no, I'm sorry. I, I my body's saying BB-8's yes. Gonna be Lacey, what if he, yeah, what if he sends it to Kylo Ren? He's like, hey, R two hates Kylo. You know, Ky- R two doesn't like Kylo Ren. R two doesn't like anybody. If there's anybody right. that's never turning their opinion back to like, oh, Ben Solo's good. It's R two D two. He's holding <laughs> that grudge till the end of time. Hmm. Uh, John, what do you think? <laughs> I don't think Green he is saber. either. Yeah, no. Um, you know, JJ repeating something from the third act of an old trilogy. I'm sure he's going to try to stay away from that type of thing. It's such a big oh, moment yeah. in Return of the Jedi that if people saw it, they'd be like, call back to Return of the Jedi. And JJ's going to be like, dang. Ah, didn't mean to do that. So I don't <laughs> think so. And then on top of it, would it be the green lightsaber? No, because the it's not. We, we don't think Luke's using coming back to life and using a lightsaber 
if they ever used his lightsaber and gave it to someone else, I'm deleting my Twitter account. I'm leaving social media. It will be a <laughs> bloodbath. So no. If Ray lit that thing up, the green one. Oh my god! They they just accepted the first the, the Anakin saber. <laughs> then you're like, all right, I'm at peace with this. And then all of a sudden you hear like, and it's Luke's like, come on! So no, I don't think I don't think R two is shooting oh lightsabers at people. Yeah, I think it, it, it like maybe possibly could have happened in the Last Jedi when Luke was still around, and they could have like recreated that moment for funsies. Um, but I think the whole thing of, of, of force awakens, you know, the lightsaber shaking Ray reaching out and, and raise the one that grabs it. I think that would just be a whole play out of that same thing again. You know, Luke sky or, uh, R2D2 opening up the hatch pops out, you know what I mean? And you're like, Oh, what's going to happen? Who, where's the lightsaber going? And it's like, it's Ray again. Ray does The this. only thing is, is Lacey's <laughs> point of like the, the Kylo aspect of it, of like, if if it pops out and you're like, oh, it's probably going to be Ray, but then like Kylo grabs it and ignites it, and then they like go towards the Emperor or something, who knows? Uh, but I I don't think so. I don't think if that whole scenario happens, R two is not involved, and I don't think they'd play this out. So that's uh, a three like for three. Yeah. yeah, there you go. That's at least one. All right, uh, Patreon submission from Major Jordan Delgadillo. He wants to know, Benioff and Weiss's trilogy would have allegedly covered the origin of the Jedi, but now that they're out, uh, will we still get that story in a form of a movie or a trilogy? John, what do you think on this one? 100%. I think that's still something they really want to focus on. It's something fans have wanted for a long time, kind of like the Kenobi thing. Uh, so I think without question, uh, you can book it that uh, we're going to get book that it. story told. I wouldn't be surprised if they're like, you know what? This is maybe a Disney Plus type of deal. Let's stretch this out, too. Um, but either way, uh, you're getting a live action Origin of the Jedi, Old Republic, not Knights of the Old Republic, because the people like that game will rip it apart. Separate thing, Old Republic, Start of the Jedi, movie or TV series. At some point, I agree. Yes, it will happen. Lacey, any chance that we're still getting that Jedi origin story? Yeah, I agree. I think that it's definitely going to happen. If there's one thing we've learned from movie studios is that they like franchises, they like reboots, and they love a good origin story. (laughs) If something works, they go to, hey, remember you liked this thing? Why don't you check out how it started and give us your money? And this is just an easy way to do that. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, if the Hunger Games are getting a prequel... Are they? If Her- yes. If Harry Potter got a prequel, mm. these are going to get a prequel. People want to know how it all started before Luke, Leia, Han, etc. Um, and the Anakin. Sopranos is getting a prequel movie. I yeah, know. everyone's yeah. getting prequels. So that's yeah. you know, and this is one of those things that like I genuinely do want to know how the Jedi started. I think that's interesting. Yeah. I don't really know, need to know how the Hunger Games started. And it's like a loose yeah. prequel because it's going to be so far back where you're not going to be like. We need to cast a young this guy. Right. Mm -hmm. And we talked about this a couple times over the past year and a half leading into the rise of Skywalker is like, we're all just so excited to move past the Skywalkers either Mm. this way or this way that it doesn't matter as long as it's far enough that they can exist for like a thousand years. Like, yeah, that's cool. (laughs) A a pre whiny galaxy. Far, far away. (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> yep, I, I agree with both of you guys. That's another ding ding. Wow. Uh, yeah, I, I think that when it comes to uh, Star Wars, they do kind of have a tendency to be like, uh, Josh Trank out, Boba Fett story. Yeah, we're not doing that anymore. You know, they kind of, when they pull a director, they do tend to um, stray away from what that was going to be. But I feel like they put their best foot forward on, or the best choice director for their best money-making project and I don't think because those guys are gone now that they're going to abandon the idea as it was. Cause I think they still think that idea is the thing that is going to keep star Wars movies special. Yeah. Right. Uh, I, and I don't think they'll turn it into a show. Although they did do that with the Obi-Wan thing. Don't worry about that. That's not part of this. <laughs> We're moving on to the next one. Uh, Major Sooner Thrawn wanted to know, and this is our last one. Uh, it will Obi-Wan have to fight an inquisitor in the Kenobi series. Lacey, you're starting this one off. We just talked about Darth Maul. Do you think that it could actually be an inquisitor? So, I want to say yes. <laughs> what does your it, body say? <laughs> because it means that he's got to probably leave the planet and I'm all for leaving the planet. So I'm going to say yes, just because I want to see Kenobi fight everyone and anyone. So yes. John, I agree. You're not bringing John. Do we agree back. on everything? No, I don't think so. No, you maybe, <laughs> No, you didn't agree on the second one. Oh. Yeah. Almost. Dark Ray having lines. Well, the sixth oh. one's about um, Kylo Ren and romance, right? So, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, I, you, you bring Ewan McGregor back for six hours of Obi-Wan Kenobi. You need to find reasons for him to fight people with a lightsaber. So there you go. So I think uh, for that reason, yes. Uh, I don't know why I made my answer sound like something from Shark Tank, but... Um, I also, I also think, uh, I think Maul could come back and they wedge in another fight there. Ray Park's getting in shape. Uh, I don't know, but yeah, why not? Inquisitor? Does it clash with a a comic from eight, uh, 11 pre BBUI? I don't know, but, um, do it. Yeah. The Inquisitor is a good choice. The Maul is a good choice, but I I, I got to be honest here. I'm ki- I've kind of become convinced listening to uh Christian Harloff over there when he was on Jedi Council. Like I think that they could do a Vader thing and it would make sense. Um he's, I know, I know. <laughs> I have I was like no way, but he talked about it so often that it started to convince me. I was like I get it. Like if I if I saw that happen, then some of the lines that have been said in the the movies that don't make any sense could begin to make sense. And that would be a really good uh, way to pull people into Disney plus in, in general, like an inquisitor. Nobody knows what inquisitors are. They just think it's just a random bad B rate villain. You know, I disagree with that. When you talk about uh, the lines. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. Um, either way, that's it for Will of the Force this week. We're going to head over uh, to the famed Patreon pod race. Lacey. All right, guys, it's time for the Patreon pod race. We've been talking about Patreon a lot lately. Uh, things are going to get back to normal soon. However, <laughs> this will always remain. We will always have this. 
which is the Patreon fundraise. <laughs> so away we'll have us <laughs> this <laughs> moment. Um, yeah. So our top tier, our generals get an offer to be a part of the show as part of their tier, their benefits. Um, and I'm excited that tonight is actually one of our rotating slots. So we're getting a new general in. It is General David, General Greybeard, as John calls him. He has mm-hmm. quite a lovely gray beard. Right. Um, and he was asked which moment is the funniest moment in Star Wars. So we're going to let David take it away. Go ahead, David. Whew. Sorry I'm out of breath, guys. Uh, I just got out of uh, the Star Destroyer, and I broke into it, and I got into Kylo's room. And, and guys, look look what I found. Look what I found in Kylo's room. It's Vader's saber. He is a Vader fanboy. What's up, Resistance? This is General Greybeard here. The funniest moment in Star Wars for me, I think, has to be the uh, Will Rowe Hood moment. I remember the first time I saw Empire Strikes Back as a kid, and uh, I saw him running down the hallway, and I was like, wait a minute. Let me rewind that. I'm dating myself there, rewinding. Uh, But I said, let me rewind that. Uh, That guy running with an ice cream churn in his hand? That moment always seems to crack me up. Um... I think that's always funny, and I love it at Celebration when they do the running of the Will Row Hoods. That's pretty funny. Also, I think on the close second is probably when um, Yoda's just trolling Luke on Dagobah. I think that's always funny. So, thanks, guys, and uh, may the Force be with you. All right. <laughs> that is pretty comical. Yes. John? Yes. What do you think? Uh, as long as it's not black licorice or ham flavored, uh, you can carry the ice cream maker wherever you'd like. Um, no, I think that's a good pick. Uh, the Wilro hood thing kind of, uh, took on a life of its own via fans. And I like when fans can get imaginative about that. Uh, and it galvanizes fans together. Like you said about like at the convention and stuff. So I think that's a good pick. And if it makes you laugh a lot, uh, having seen it so many times and that that's all, all the better. And, uh, your second pick I, I liked about the Yoda thing because him busting Luke's chops is so good. Um, but um, yeah, the only thing that I'm disappointed about is that you didn't have a fan blowing on you so that your your glorious gray beard was not waving in the wind. But uh, <laughs> thank you so much, uh, David. You're the man, uh, or General Graybeard, as I should say. But um, uh, thanks for your... F- you did a great job. First Patreon pod race and then your little uh, shtick there at the beginning. I'll let one of these two talk about that, but... Great job, man. Thanks. Yeah, I um, have to say that uh, Darth Vader is, well, Kylo Ren is the biggest fanboy of Darth Vader. We all know this. Now, we'll see <laughs> yeah. how it pans out in The Rise of Skywalker, but he would have like posters and like framed photos and all different. He'd be the one to line up in the line at the convention to meet Darth Vader. Like he'd be the first person there. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, Yes, the ice cream maker is very funny, and it's super cool that fans have made it into this thing. Um, like, it's a trap is something, again, that, like, I find so funny that it's funny because everyone finds it funny. Um, but I have to say, Yoda trolling Luke is, like, one of the funniest things. I think we talked about that. John, did you say that was one of your favorite moments? Yeah. Um, your funniest I, moments? I think it might have made my list, yeah. Yeah. It is just, it's so good. And there's, yeah. like, lip syncs about it online, and yeah, that song is so good. Mm-hmm. Anyway, great job. And now I'm going to let James give his thoughts. Oh, just just quick ones. Yeah, I, I agree with the, the Will Row Hood thing. But what's funny, what's funny about that to me, just kind of how we were saying is 
the the ice cream maker choice as a prop is not a bad idea. I'm surprised <laughs> you picked it out like, you know, one of your first times watching it because if if it wasn't for Wilro Hood, I would still to this day have no clue what an ice cream maker looks like. So <laughs> him just running through there with like this random prop. If I was in, you know, 1979 when they were making that movie, you know, uh, getting ready to release it in 80. But they're like, yeah, they grab this. No one's going to know this is an yeah. ice cream maker. <laughs> and it's like years and years and years have gone by. Everybody pointed it out and it gets funnier and funnier because why is this guy running around with an ice cream maker? But it's like. I'm sure there's tons of props in Star Wars that we don't know. Like it's like a, I don't know, toothbrush or something, you know? Right, right. And that that's going to be in The Mandalorian, unless I already missed it yeah. uh, from the other day. But <laughs> Yeah, so it was. It was in the first like five minutes. Yeah. David, excellent job. We hope to see you back soon in the slot for the Patreon pod race. If you guys want more information, head over to patreon.com slash resistance broadcast. Um, and by the way, David, I do remember rewinding tapes, so you're not mm-hmm. that dated. Yes. Uh, now to John for the Kessel yes. Run. You've never heard of the Millennium Falcon? It's the ship that made the Kessel Run in less than 12 parsecs. Yeah, speaking of rewinding, Star Wars has been around for about five decades, and many actors and voice actors have contributed to bringing characters to life in the galaxy far, far away. But we're here to give our list of the 12 best Casting decisions in franchise history. This is the Kessel Run. So this is our 12 best casting decisions in Star Wars history. 12 being a reference to the Kessel Run made by Han Solo and crew on uh, that fateful trip uh, with the Coaxium and all that good stuff. But um, yeah, guys, so we each brought... So if you're new to the podcast, we each bring four items to the table and compi- comprise our list of 12. And then, of course, in the comments, we want to hear from you guys what your picks would be uh, and also what you think about our picks. So um, who would like to start this Kessel Run? Lacey, <laughs> does that mean you? I can start it. Oh, James. Okay. I don't think cool. I've ever started. Great. Great. I can actually start with the surprise answer too for a lot Never. of longtime listeners. I'm going to go with Ewan McGregor. Ooh, that's my first. Ewan pick. McGregor. <laughs> what? Yeah. Which I I know Lacey's reacting to this because I don't generally like the character of Obi Wan Kenobi, but Ewan McGregor is a phenomenal actor and could not have been a better pick because over the course of time, he has grown and grown and grown to be this character in a lot of ways, more so than Alec Guinness. And I know he, uh, Sir Alec Guinness is is Obi-Wan to a lot of people, but I think there's probably more fans today that when you say the name Obi-Wan Kenobi, people go to Ewan McGregor's character, or at least the character, you know, that um, in that time frame, they picture, you know, that younger Obi-Wan Kenobi more so. Um, yeah, this this guy uh, is, is just massively talented. But uh, I think the big thing here is that... Um, like everybody says that coming out of the prequels, he was the best part. So the person in charge of picking um, <laughs> the actors to play the roles did fairly well. 
with some <laughs> of them, but uh, really nailed it when it came to Ewan. And I think the uh, the fandom as a whole is better having uh, him be cast. So, mm-hmm. yeah, um, I'm going to have to agree with you on that. Um, it's like one of those things where if you had concerns for someone filling the shoes to play a younger version of the character, I can't imagine them have finding someone who fits it better. And they even did like a facial um, tech, like structure match. And they're like his facial structure matches Alec Guinness and uh, you know, (laughs) and all this stuff. And, and just, he was able to uh, get the, the accent right because he's Scottish uh, I was able to get the accent right, and um, just I—I uh, I think he did a, a nice tribute to the character. I know, I know, Alec Guinness died around when the Phantom Menace came out. I wonder if he had any interest mm-hmm. in seeing it or not. Uh, how he did, but um, good pick, good pick. Um, so I'll go second. Uh, second on our list of twelve, uh, I got to go with Anthony Daniels, C three PO. Which may, you know, seem like a rare pick, but I picked him because he's been in everything. He's been in literally every single Star Wars movie from A New Hope through Episode Nine, and even made appearances in both spinoffs, one as C-3PO and Rogue One, and one as uh, someone on uh, Kessel. Um, but, BB-305. Uh, yeah, right, right. Yeah, whatever. But the, I think the the point about it is, you know, interesting how he was cast because he was a mime actor and he knew how to express himself without using his voice and using motions to kind of convey like his, the way he would turn his head and like looks like nervous without uh, doing it in, in subtle ways and that sort of thing. And he originally wasn't supposed to do the voice. He was supposed to just be in the suit. And Lucas had a complete robot-minded voice and like, I am C-3PO or whatever. And his like little nervous butler voice like came through as they were practicing. And it wound up like being charming to the point where they're <laughs> like, wow, we, we kind of want to go with that. And I think that kind of created C-3PO in a way where Lucas wow. didn't intend to write him. So that little nervousness and that timidity and, and all that stuff kind of came out through there. So it's funny when they started Star Wars and people joke about like Star Wars is supposed to be planned. You're not supposed to go by the cuff. They didn't even intend for this guy to be the voice of C-3PO. And there he was in the suit. Uh, I am C-3PO, you know, and all like that. (laughs) Um, And just the fact that he's been there and now we see him doing his like final bow and stuff. Um, One of the final legacy characters. I'm taking one last look at my friends in the trailer. Got me right in the chest. He's still carrying the flag. You know, Peter Mayhew's gone. Kenny Baker's gone. And he's still there doing it in the suit. So a lot of respect for him. So he's my first pick. I think that's a great pick because not only because his book is out, uh, (laughs) but because... Are we um, getting free copies? (laughs) No, I wish. Um, But because... You know, like you said, he was in the trailer and every single person that watched that trailer got choked up at that part because he is just as much a part of the movie as all the other original trilogy characters. And he's been in everything, like you said, John, um, and he makes the character what it is. And it it couldn't be played by anybody else at this point. And Mm -hmm. yeah, someone might play it after him, but even then they'll just be doing what he does. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good pick. All right. So my first pick, I was like, my third pick, it's my first pick, (laughs) um, is actually someone kind of on the same 
like same thread as uh, C-3PO, which would be Frank Oz and his casting as Yoda for uh, Star Wars. The reason's because... One, I love the Muppets. I'm just throwing that out there. It has nothing to do with this, but I love the Muppets. Second of all, <laughs> um, second of all, when you think of Star Wars, you think of you know fantasy Jedi and then aliens and like cool creatures, and he plays the ultimate creature alien in Star Wars, and um, he's actually the one that created the way that Yoda talks, where he says things backwards. That was all him. Um, he does the voice, he does the puppeteering, and sometimes it's hard for people to recognize looking at a performance of a puppeteer, but all the mannerisms and everything the puppet does is the person. It's not like them just standing there being like this. Like, they add things to it, especially someone like Frank Oz, who works with Jim Henson and, um, and those types of companies that basically created what we know now of the Muppets and puppeteering. Um, and I just wouldn't feel the way I feel about Star Wars without Yoda. Like he is Star Wars. And I feel like if you ask any normal person who, who like what character they love, often people will say Yoda and he's on everything mm. from merchandise to whatever. He has some of the most memorable lines and no one could have played that character better than Frank Oz. So I chose Frank Oz. I'm, I'm a hundred percent with you. I, I, I don't know. I mean, we've heard this before that Yoda makes or breaks the movie. If if Luke goes to the planet and he starts talking to Yoda and he's talking to Kermit the Frog, <laughs> then people are out, you know? Right. Yeah. That, it, that movie doesn't exist. Um, so what they wanted to do was, you know, create this, this, um, this character that couldn't just be played by a person. It had to be a puppet. And there was no better name to go to than this person. I mean, just at the time, you know, um, I, I don't, I think you're exactly right, Lacey. I don't know that anybody else could have pulled it off. It just is, it's such a, a crazy task. And to this day, when I think about any, any other show, it doesn't even matter like labyrinth or dark crystal or anything like that. There is a very specific separation between, I understand what's going on here, that's that's a puppet and i i have empathy with it but not like on the same level that i do with only one other puppet in the world and that's yoda, <laughs> yoda yeah. like yoda is the most believable puppet and that's because it's frank oz and if you don't have him doing it you know what i mean it's oh it's just it's so good yeah you're exactly right yeah, exactly right. James, I'm glad you brought up that point because George Lucas said Empire would have been a failure if they couldn't sell Yoda to the audience. Yeah. And it's also good that Jar Jar Binks worked too. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. He's like, this movie fails if Jar Jar yeah. doesn't work. It'll right. be just like Yoda. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, no. Um, okay. I'm going to go with, uh, for actually, this is kind of funny. It's similar reasons. My next pick is going to be Alan Tudyk. Um, un- uncommon. Maybe even some listeners are like, who? What? What are we talking about here? Um, Alan the Tudyk is the actor behind the character K2SO in Rogue One. Um, you know, I I think there, there's, there's something that's happening here. Th- this actor is known for uh, his live action stuff. 
Um, he does everything, but I think he was mostly known for when, when this was coming around as a comedic actor, specifically, uh, in the movie dodgeball, he pay, plays the pirate, <laughs> right. um, Steve, <laughs> Steve, the pirate. <laughs> Uh, and you got to think like, why would anybody uh, choose this guy? Well, he has a very specific background of also doing a lot of this like um, motion uh, capture type characters. Um, one of which was uh, Sonny from the the movie. Um, I, now I'm blanking on the name, the, the Will Smith one. Either of you know it? Nope. All right. Well, what movie? Uh, Say again. It's he plays Sonny, the artificial intelligence robot that like is oh, actually I robot has feelings. I robot. That's it. Yep. And that's based <laughs> off of a novel. But um, but yeah, he he they they created this like CG character and Alan Tudyk was the 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 voice and the, the persona behind him. Oh, I forgot. And about he that. does it um, so exceptionally well in that movie that they were like, you know, we, we need someone to ha- be funny and we need someone that can pull off these motion graphics in a, in the perfect way. And they landed on Alan Tudyk. And I think the movie is, is for the better because I think the heart of rogue one is K2SO. And, um, had it been cast by anybody else, I don't know that both elements of the character could have been pulled off as well. Yeah, that's, that's a good pick because, um, it's an, an actor understanding the modern technology of how that character would be brought to life and being able to work in that space. Mm-hmm. And then also, I mean, I'm not too familiar with this, but I mean, a lot of fans are cult huge fans of Serenity and Firefly, which he was a part of. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think people liked seeing him brought into the Star Wars galaxy, knowing that he has chops in uh, space fantasy stuff that was probably inspired by Star Wars. Um, and I think he was a bit really big Star Wars fan too. And that Star Wars fans like love seeing that actually when actors aren't just like, where's my check? You know, we talk about that all the time on the podcast. Like we like seeing the, the John Boyega's of the world who are just love being in Star Wars and that sort of thing. And he's right up that alley. So he, I mean, I, I'm very excited to see what he does with the Cassian series and to see him again. Um, because one and done would have been unfortunate because he is so talented. So that's a good pick, in my opinion. You know Can what I other franchise really he quick? likes? Oh. oh, sure. I was going <laughs> to say one of the big things that they talked about with Alan specifically at a recent, they had like a behind the scenes Rogue One discussion with all the creators, like John Knoll and stuff. And they said they they chose him because he's a good improv actor. So like all the moments of him like holding the backpack and then he drops it was all him the slap of him slapping diego where he almost laughs comedy yeah Yeah. so like those were all things that that wasn't written he came up with that on his own because he thought this is what this character would do Mm -hmm. and that it i mean that's rare for an actor to first of all have the courage to say oh i'm just gonna do this and then second of all have the ability to do it and be like i'm doing this right Right. Because sometimes mm-hmm. people go too far and you're like, okay, enough. But like he has the ability to say, no, the character would do this. Mm-hmm. And it just made it that much more funny. While on That's stilts. Nice. While on stilts, yeah. yes. Yeah. And, a, and a, the stupid like hat that they make him wear with the eyes. Yes. So they yeah. have a reference point of where to look. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. I mean, the performance capture or motion capture stuff is a big part of Star Wars now. So I'm going to veer us uh, in a more vocal direction 
My next pick is James Earl Jones, uh, the voice of uh, Darth Vader, um, who uh, I, you know, I watched some old interviews with him talking about how he got the job. Um, and originally, you know, David Prowse, bodybuilder, Scottish bodybuilder in the suit was doing the voice uh, again, very similar to the Anthony Daniels thing, because uh, obviously the voice was done after filming. So in filming, talking to Carrie Fisher, you are part of the Rebel Alliance and the Traitor. It's his Scottish light voice. You are part of the Rebel Alliance and a Traitor. Take her away. <laughs> now imagine that was Darth Vader's voice throughout. Like it, it wouldn't have worked. And so he was explaining like, hey, you know, uh, David Prowse is Darth Vader. I'm not Darth Vader, but I'm, I'm a visual. I'm an effects guy. Special effects. He called himself special effects. And he said George Lucas wanted a baritone as opposed to a light tenor. Uh, and they brought me, who had a stutter, from Mississippi in, and I got paid $7,000 to be Darth Vader. <laughs> $7,000 to be Darth Vader. And then, obviously, it became one of the most recognizable voices in the history of cinema. And then he becomes Mufasa. And he played Darth Vader as recently as Rogue One at 82 years old or whatever. And he's still around today. But... um yeah, James Earl Jones, voice of Darth Vader. There isn't really much else I need to say about it. Just uh, insanely iconic. Yeah, totally epic. Uh, it's funny that you brought up the voice thing where David Prowse was just like not the right voice. Because yeah. there were a couple times in our conversation so far that I've wanted to bring that up. And I'm like, no, I shouldn't. I think that they're going to bring this up later. So I just didn't. But yeah. I mean, his voice is just so iconic. Like he's the looming bad guy. Right. That's what he sounds like. Right. But yeah. Yeah. I can't believe he only got paid $7,000. I am. I, yeah. I don't know about what his, his deal was for the sequels, but yeah, the first movie, right. $7,000. Um, Isn't that nuts? <laughs> yeah. And now I'm just in my head thinking of all the, you know, Vader lines and like if they were said right. by David Prowse, like <laughs> the, the force is with you, young Skywalker, but you're not a Jedi yet. It's like, what? Oh, or like they know they want a deeper voice, so they go with the movie narrator guy or something. Yeah. <laughs> In a world where you're my no, son. <laughs> I am your father. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, James Coming Tuesday. Um, so my next pick is actually the fictional daughter of that character, which would be the late great Carrie Fisher. Oh. So um Carrie Fisher is one of those people in Star Wars that kind of made me who I am today. Like Princess Leia was one of those characters when I was growing up, similar to Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where it was a girl that didn't need anybody to save her. That was tough. That like talked back to people that wasn't like a prissy princess. And I loved that. And that's all Carrie. Um, And, you know, when she got cast for this role, she was famous because of her parents, but not famous on her own. So for her to get this role, she made it hers. And, you know, later in her life, she'd go on to say, like, I am Princess Leia and Princess Leia is me. It's completely true. The attitude, the look, everything about Princess Leia is Carrie Fisher. And no one could have done that better than her. Um, and I can't wait to see what she does in the next movie because it's just that much more awesome that they're having her in the rise of Skywalker. But yeah, Carrie Fisher and princess Leia made me who I am. So yes, perfect casting. I was like it. Um, when an actor generally can 
portray completely different characters in different movies. And I tend to, to look at that as like, if a, if a person can't do that and they play the same role in every movie, um, that they're not that good of an actor. Right. But this is one of those cases where like she accomplishes what needs to be happened in the movie and that her own personality coming out into, um, into the character itself is saying, Hey, I've, I have this girl. I think she's going to be perfect for the role because she is exactly what we're looking for. And they're mm-hmm. like, Oh, the, you know, like what, what has she done? Well, you know, it's just kind of like showcasing, um, her ability, but it's like her ability is exactly what we need in this movie. Right. That is perfect. And it was perfect. And she is one of the big three, you know what I'm saying? It's like, so, Mm -hmm. so important that she is who she is because we actually talked about this like, um, a while ago about how it's very important that Luke is the Jedi and she's the not Jedi. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Um, because the three of them work because they're all three separate ideologies and the, the triangle works because of that, you know, it wouldn't make sense for her to lean forward, uh, lean on either one of the same sides, you know? So, um, yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. It's very good pick. Very good pick. And as you said, uh, Lacey, her parents were famous actors, Eddie Fisher, Debbie Reynolds. So she was, uh, you know, Hollywood royalty and she wound up playing a princess and she was though, like you said, an unknown, they would have, they they auditioned like Sybil Shepard, Aaron Moran, Farrah Fawcett and stuff. Imagine Farrah Fawcett with Princess Leia, like, and then like you said, she made it her own. Yeah. And, and also like during the time that she was being cast, there was a lot of drama around her parents and their, their relationship and the affair with her father. So Mm. she was kind of like around this, like, PR like bad cloud of like negative stuff. So for her to kind of make her own way and to make her own path with this character allowed her to kind of be like, no, I'm not with this. I'm my own person, which is basically what Princess Leia is. So that's pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, James, we are at the halfway point. So start us off on the second half with pick seven. Well, it's funny that I just said that stuff about Carrie Fisher and how it was a perfect choice, but I am going to flip in the opposite direction. I think that that Oscar Isaac is an amazing actor who can be different people in different movies and to bring his ability into The Force Awakens, it was was genius. I've heard the stories. I know like this, he was planned to, to die and stuff, but I think there was something even to like the original plan, uh, wasn't great. You know what I mean? They, they hired this guy. He's amazing. He's the perfect person to play this character. They bring him into the movie and they go, yeah, we got gold here. This is, this is good. We need to rewrite some stuff, change some things around, keep this guy, uh, in the mix. And, mm-hmm. um, I think that's that's what's so special about him having been someone who had worked on all these other indie movies before he goes into the big project. Um, because in one way, it's like him finally getting the spotlight he deserves. But also, you are acting against... Um, now, I know he doesn't do a whole lot with Daisy Ridley, but the three main of that movie are these three characters um, in uh, Ray and Finn and Poe as well. But Ray and and Finn's 
actors are were relatively new. So I I like the idea that at least one of these three had like a solid ground point uh, with the that that whole world and stuff. And I think it was for the better. Um, I think he was a very smart choice, and I love that that actor is able to play in the Star Wars world. Yeah, I agree. I think I watched. Did Ex Machina come out before The Force Awakens? After, I think. After? I, yes. I, yeah, so I wanted to watch. I know I wanted also to watch. Also with Hux. Right, yeah. Um, so I wanted to watch a movie not Star Wars with him because I that's The Force Awakens was the first movie of his I saw, actually. And then I watched Ex Machina. I'm like, oh, my God, this guy is good. Like, he's a really good actor. <laughs> and um, so uh, it's funny how it, this is going to tie into my next pick a little bit in terms of what they're almost... Uh, unsung role was amongst their uh, cast members, but he's like the the proven because Adam Driver just came from Girls. He didn't done a major motion picture yet. Daisy Ridley was a nobody. She was even called Wooden on set when she first started acting, uh, which made people nervous. And JJ had to work with her and help her find who she was. Uh, John Boyega just it did like Attack the Block. That wasn't much. It was like a monster movie, right? So he was like like the firm grounding. Like I'm the established actor, and, and who can um, keep us, you know, true north. Obviously, you have Harrison Ford and stuff, but in terms of the new cast, yeah, yeah. Out of curiosity, had you not seen Sucker Punch? Uh, no, I didn't see Sucker Punch. Oh, okay, I was just no. curious because I was like, I bet you didn't didn't know it was him. Well, now I got to watch it and, and, and find yeah. out if I could point him out. <laughs> um, no, you good pick. probably would now. Yeah, I know. But yeah. no one knew who he was then. Yeah, right. um, Go yeah good pick, Oscar Isaac. Um, so my next pick is uh, Alec Guinness, Obi-Wan Kenobi, the first Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, and in a similar vein uh, of a role that he played... Uh, <laughs> Uh, amongst uh, unknown actors, un- inexperienced actors. So George Lucas caught his eye. Uh, Alec Guinness liked American Graffiti, and he's like, um, I want to work with this young director. And he's like, I have this uh, idea called Star Wars, and he thought that the script was mumbo-jumbo. That's why they use the line mumbo-jumbo in The Force Awakens as a tribute to Alec Guinness. But, um, you know, the stories that he didn't like being in Star Wars and stuff were not true. He actually enjoyed his time uh, on set. And I think my favorite story about him that they tell uh, in the Rinsler books, I believe, the making of Star Wars books, is that as chaotic and awful as the production was, because you hear all the stories that it almost didn't happen, and then to get more money, they had to go to Alan Ladd to get money from Fox. George Lucas almost had a heart attack, literally. He kept it professional and was like, Oh, the C-3PO suit's falling apart. Like, we'll still hit our marks and stuff like that. And this is the guy, you know, Bridge of, over uh, River Kwai and an Oscar winner. Like, he's an established actor. He's already in his 60s at this point. And he taught the young actors, Harrison Ford, Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher around him, how to be pros making a silly movie. And I think that really stuck with people like a Mark Hamill, who in the next movie had to act with a piece of rubber like we were just talking about, and make it believable. Because the, ha- the other <laughs> half of Yoda being sold is Mark Hamill acting with that puppet. So you're not- talking about his hand. Yeah. So not only his like legacy and his performance as an actor, but also the lasting impression he I feel like he left on not only George Lucas as a director and a writer, but also the young, inexperienced cast at the time, which is funny to say, Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, and Carrie Fisher. So Alec Guinness uh, 
great casting pick in my opinion. I agree. I think when I first saw Star Wars when I was little, he was just so believable of being Ben Kenobi. And I, I, there's one part that's like weird, but I really, really like it that it, I don't know why I do. But when he's like, I haven't heard that name. He's like, it's me. Like, I don't know why I love that part. I love the way he delivers it. I love everything yeah. about it. And it's just so casual. He's like, it's me. And you're like, oh, it is you. Um, and then just the way he delivers lines in the scene after where he's talking about, you know, Anakin and how everything went down. It's just he's just like the old guy that like brings you on your way to your journey. And he just did such, such a good job that, you know, growing up, I didn't know how <laughs> of a good actor he was. You do. I just know him as Obi-Wan Kenobi. Mm-hmm. And then you like read up, you see his movies and you're, you're like, Oh, like this guy's legit. He's right. not just like Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. Um, this was like the part-time job someone takes after their career. Like he's in his sixties. He's like, All right, <laughs> let me try this. Right, like he's retired and he yeah. decided to be a Walmart reader like right. twice a week. <laughs> right. <laughs> get some bingo money. <laughs> yeah. um, um, one, so, one yeah, more thing ahead. I wanted to say about this. He, mm-hmm. his deal for this movie was to get a percentage of the box office gross. And he probably thought it was going to be like, oh, you know, he'll do Five okay, bucks. like American Graffiti or whatever. He made mm-hmm. so much money from this movie and that set the tone for like, Jack Nicholson did that for Batman in 89. He got like a percentage of the box office growth, just made like millions and millions of dollars. So, Buckets, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Well, this guy didn't get millions and millions of dollars, <laughs> but he still was the perfect choice for the role that he got, Salacious which Chrome? would be Alden Ooh. Ehrenreich, yeah. who played Solo in Solo, A Star Wars Story. So... Alden was in a tough position. (laughs) He is filling the shoes of Harrison Ford, which is never easy to do, but he did it with like flying colors, 110%. He went all in and he deserved to do a good, make a good movie, which he did. And he didn't, didn't deserve the people to be like, Oh, that's not Harrison Ford. Obviously it's not Harrison Ford. Calm down. Right. But I was kind of lucky in that I worked for Celebration when they announced Alden. So I actually got to meet Alden and he's super, super sweet, super nice. And he was unaware of what was happening to him. And it's one of those things that it's like, he didn't realize how big of a role this was, but he was so excited to be a part of it. And so to me, that's first number one important to me is like, we say it all the time, not just cash and checks. Like he really wanted this role. Mm -hmm. Second of all, They saw 3,000 people for this role, and he was the first person they saw, and he had to go back six times. Six times. The second time he went back, they made him uh, act against a puppet dog. Like, a puppet dog that just barked at him, and then he had to act with it. Hey, quit calling Chewy names. (laughs) Guys, a puppet dog. Like, someone sat next to him going like this, yeah. and he had to act with it. And then you're going to sit here and tell me, oh, he didn't do a good job. Give him a break. Yeah. He did a great job. Oh, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, he was just really, really cool. And then I, the one thing I really love about him is when he did a roundtable with the cast of Solo, and he talked about how uh, he got the part after the 3,000 people that they saw. 
um, he told his grandma and was like, I'm so excited, grandma, that I got this part, but don't tell anybody. And then she went and told everyone. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just love that. And he's just really down to earth. And you guys know that we're all about make solo Two happen. He deserves to play this role again. He was born to play Han Solo again. Yeah. So give him, let him do it because he deserved it. He's one of the best, if not the best casting in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I can't disagree with that because to me, it's one of those things. There is this uh, deep fake that's out there where they replaced uh, his face with Harrison Ford and you watch it and you're like, man, that is 100% Han Solo. Like the, he's in this movie. And then you got to remember that that technology is only doing so much just like a little bit here, you know, around this area or whatever. Everything else about that character is him being Harrison Ford being Han Solo. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's Well, they said that he studied like hours and hours and hours of footage of Harrison Ford. And like he yeah. went in to be Harrison Ford. And yet when you watch Solo, you don't feel like he's doing an impression of Harrison Ford. You just feel like he is a younger Harrison Ford. Yeah, That's he, tough it, to do to not met, mimic when he, someone. When he met Ford, Ford told him, don't do an impression of me. Right. And when he smiled at Celebration, John Boyega was like, oh, my God, you're Harrison Ford. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he... <laughs> you guys so, ever see yeah. you guys ever see Hail Caesar? I didn't. Everyone I didn't. always says that to he, me. If you love Alden Ehrenreich, just just watch it. That's all. You know what? I have seen him in uh, Beautiful Creatures, that terrible teen movie he was in where he uh, dates a witch. Saw that one. He was still lovely. He has a southern accent. <laughs> Um, but yeah, nobody Not else could have pulled off um, <laughs> solo like he did. Um, right. I, and that's that's a in a way it's a controversial opinion, but I, I think we, especially the three of us, believe that to be wholeheartedly true. Um, bring the him, only other person I'd back. say that could play Han Solo, <laughs> who is my fourth and final pick, Kurt Russell. Oh, what? And Ford. Oh, who is it? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? I forgot Harrison about him. Ford? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I mean, uh, here, this is one of those things like, and we didn't really want to focus on this, but th- there's, there's kind of this element of like, could anybody else have played this character? Um, besides oh, the person who did play this character. <laughs> and it's tricky because I really actually, and John, you've talked about this before and you'll get a second here in a minute, but like, I have a hard time picturing some other actors playing this like, Oh, it was, you know, this person went out for it. This person went out for it. Um, Kurt Russell, you know, is the, is the big one. And I, I always, am like, I don't know what the movie would have been like if it wasn't Harrison Ford. It just, it's so hard to me to think. And, and the whole story of like how he kind of just wasn't even supposed to be the character just kind of like, fell into it and just went with it. He went with the flow. That's it. There's nothing more Han Solo than being like, I'll be your character. You know, whatever <laughs> <laughs> kind of a thing. And, uh, and just being able to like nail it. Um, 
for, you know, every movie that he's been in, uh, even <laughs> years and years and years, he had a whole career and he still came back to Han Solo and you see him and you're like, that's not Harrison Ford, man. That is still Han Solo. Like yeah. what a good pick. Um, uh, and, and for Han Solo to be Star Wars, to be his, uh, jumping off career for, uh, an actor that is like, I, I just like will forever be, Harrison Ford, the great actor, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, with all the roles that he's done, yeah. including the president of the United States. Right. <laughs> Get off my plane. Get off my plane. Yeah. No Get one, off my Falcon. No one points like that, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every time. All right. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm so happy that I get to talk about it because, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, yeah, Harrison Ford, in my opinion, The Empire Strikes Back, single greatest Star Wars acting performance of all time. Uh, that carbon freeze scene, even just the faces he makes as he knows he's about to be lowered, that kind of like sad puppy face he gives Leia, just like unbelievable. And the I know line, everyone knows that story. Um, but something about this guy... Like you kind of said, uh, uh, James, that he was so unassuming and he's very uh, stoic and calm and stuff like that. And then he gets into his characters and can just hit go and just be whatever you need him to be, cocky, arrogant, whatever. But like if you ever see old interviews with him promoting Star Wars in like the, I don't know, 76, 77, I guess, 77, there's these, this old set of interviews. It's him with this lady who's interviewing him. She's like very polite Southern. And she's like, we're here with Harrison Ford. He is so intense when he's talking to this woman. He's like staring <laughs> daggers into her eyes. Like he could have told her to untie her shoes and eat her shoelaces. And she probably would have done it. Like he's just like a very intense pers personality. And I don't think you like there's cer certain people that just have that. And he is a star. Like, that's just who Harrison Ford is. Uh, I know he never won an Oscar. He got close with Witness. But to me, my favorite actor of all time. And Han Solo, obviously one of his top two iconic roles. And uh, like, it's hard to say, like, like you said, someone else could play that version of Han Solo. Obviously, we went mm -hmm. back at the prequels for the younger version. But that version of Han Solo, like you're not seeing Tom Selleck uh, rub elbows with Chewie. Um, but yeah, great pick. Um, my uh, my last pick, so this is the 11th pick, uh, Ian McDiarmid, uh, Palpatine, um, who was cast as a 37-year-old back in 1982 to play, uh, you know, an 88-year-old old man. And what's funny about this, let me bring up my shot on that in my notes, is originally George Lucas had an older actor booked for this, and... It turned out that, of course, my notes are failing on me now. The casting director at the time, I can't remember her name. This is awful timing. Uh, Mary Selway saw McDermott, who was then in his 30s, playing an aging Howard Hughes in an English theater, and she recommended Lucas to call him for the emperor. So think about that and how that worked out in terms of fortune. Not, And this is not just Ian McDermott as a performer. Because they got a guy in his 30s to play the Emperor in 1982, when they brought him back for the prequels, he was the exact age he needed to be to play Palpatine prequel style, and it's the same actor. I mean, that is so fortuitous. It's unbelievable, and it happened by accident because they weren't planning on doing the prequels at that time, I, I don't think. 
and then for him to come back now again. Uh, so we're talking he's you know played Palpatine for four decades and he's done animated voice work for him. He is Palpatine. And, you know, you hear rumors that, you know, Matt Smith was a, you know, potentially going to be a younger clone Palpatine thing. I think they if that was true, I think they scrapped it when they realized we need to get this guy back. And I don't care how we have to explain it. He is Palpatine. And uh, just throughout the whole saga, you can say this is the Skywalker saga. I think just as much you could say this is the Palpatine saga because he's the one who started all the trouble, caused all mm. of this to happen and triggered all the stories for all the other characters to fall like the dominoes. So there's only one character whose story it is from beginning to end. Right, right. And here he is coming back in, in the final one here. So um, my last pick, I know I love um, Alec Guinness and all my other picks, um, but Ian McDiarmid had to be my final pick just because of his talent and also the fortuitous uh, casting from when he was young to be able to play the character in the other iterations. Yeah, I think I've grown up hating him. So he's done a good job because <laughs> he's that evil right. that my whole life I've been like, he's the bad guy. Like, there's no doubt in your mind, like, he is evil. Mm-hmm. And then you see him in person and you hear him talk and you're like, oh, he's so sweet. Right. And then as soon as he turns that voice on, you're like, oh, I hate you again. Yep. Um, there is no one that could have played this role than him. And he's just... He's ugh. As soon as they that cackle played, we all got excited. But like, <laughs> man, nothing is better than when you know who the bad guy is, and when he's back, you're like, oh, he's the ultimate bad guy. <laughs> like there is no one better, yeah. right? <laughs> Speaking of who's the bad guy, <laughs> uh, to no surprise to anyone listening right now that knows who I am. My number one choice is Adam Driver (laughs) for casting for Kylo Ren and Ben Solo. So I've said this numerous times on the podcast about how good Adam Driver is. He's really that good. He's so good that he didn't even audition for this role. They just offered it to him. And then he thought about it for four months and said, maybe I'll think about it and sat on it. For four months like you know how good you have to be to be able to just sure i'll think about being in star wars better than Why alden not? ehrenreich i guess <laughs> better than going back six times and talking to a dog puppet <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah a little bit better so as you guys know adam driver was in girls he had done a bunch of indie stuff this was really his first if not only real big blockbuster movie but um, Kathleen Kennedy saw him on Girls. She really liked him. Had him come in and meet with JJ, and they were like, you know, we want you to be a part of this movie. They explained the story to him, which, by the way, he still hasn't explained what they explained to him. I'm assuming that's going to come out maybe after this movie comes out. Um, so he said, like, yeah, let me think about it, and then tried to figure out his schedule with Girls, went back to New York, whatever, thought about it, and then was like, you know what? I guess I'll do it because you know what? Money speaks. And I'm sure they offered him a ton of money to do it. It launched his career basically. And then he said he didn't really figure, feel like he was in Star Wars until he went to costume fittings. And he said he saw images and costumes for Han and Leia. And then he was like, oh, I'm in Star Wars. And as you guys know, he's really quiet. He seems pretty awkward. So 
the amount of emotion that you see portrayed and hopefully into the next one as well, but in The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, like, he makes those movies. I love Rey. I love all the other characters. But, like, those movies, especially The Last Jedi, is Adam Driver. Um, I left The Force Awakens being like, oh, Rey's the best. I hate Adam Driver. (laughs) Because he was so evil. And I remember leaving The Force Awakens being like, he's basically Adam Sackler from Girls with a mask on. Like, that's literally what I said leaving The Force Awakens. And then, you know, over time, I really, really liked the character and how evil he was. And then leaving The Last Jedi, I was like, oh, he's the best. He's my favorite character. So the fact that an actor is able to me, stubborn Lacey, convince me that they're my favorite character now is a pretty good actor. And then um, also he's just so moving. Like you can see all the tiny emotions and everything going through his face from the moment that Luke, you know, lights up his lightsaber over him when he's sleeping and he's younger to the moments that he's screaming and carrying on and saying, I'll destroy her. And then he's offering her to come with him. And then, he, you know, he's saving her and they're fighting together. Like you don't know where he stands, Right. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see where he goes in the next movie, hopefully not to death. Um, fingers crossed, but, uh, regardless, he's going to give quite the performance and I can't wait to see what it is. And he's all right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, no, I mean, uh, yeah, you said a lot there. Uh, I, I think that I was watching a show the other day where they were talking about who could possibly play certain characters in the new Batman movie and stuff. And they were just throwing out some names and Adam driver's name got tossed in for one of the characters or whatever. And everybody on the panel said, nah, he, he, he's, he's above everybody else that they're casting. So he would just like overtake the movie. Um, and they like in a good way, like his ability uh, is far above, you know, all these other A-list actors and things. So, and, and, and um, that speaks volumes, you know what I mean? To be like, he mm-hmm. needs to be put into movies that uh, uh, require his ability. You know what I'm saying? That, mm-hmm. that right, I think it's, right. it's interesting because um, he is like a former Marine and in a way like sort of a... Um, like the opposite of that also like he was like a hippie he went to california and he tried to live there and he only lived there for like 10 days and he's like i can't do this so he went home you know (laughs) there's so many different stories of like he just kind of accidentally fell into acting and when he did it it was like his calling like 100 percent. and to have the the um the foresight to grab this character uh, just so early in his career. And even since the force awakens, which was only a couple years ago, every single thing he has done has been met with so much critical praise. So, yeah. right. um, I think that the, the, the big key factor here is foresight to, to know that we need a character that's going to be able to pull this off. Uh, or an actor that's going to be able to pull this off. Right. I think it's this Adam driver who, who nobody knows, you know, yeah. is, is right. incredible because he's proven himself through star Wars and everything else that he's done. So yeah. I think it also says something that he's super professional. Uh, we went, we talked about this with Al Guinness and a couple other people, but um, you know, Daisy Ridley always talks about how every scene that they're in, 
like if she's not getting something right, he'll wait till she gets it. Like when she was crying in the throne room scene, she he stood there and waited for her to get to the point where she felt comfortable or like was getting the what the shot that they wanted. Or when, you know, the Force Awakens interrogation scene, he kept going with her time after time after time until they got the scene what they wanted because I'm sure he's very good at what he does. Oh, yeah. So for him to take the time with someone like Daisy who's who's learning and going, like, that's awesome. And I love the fact that he was making jokes with Oscar in between takes where he's, like, interrogating Oscar and he's like, hey, it's me, Adam. And then he would go right back into <laughs> the whole yeah, thing. Sure. And simply put, he had to be the new Vader. Like, and that's a hard mm-hmm. sell on people. Like... When right. they first saw the guy walking through the woods with the lightsaber, like this is your new villain, that's big. It's Luke Skywalker. Those are big. Yeah, those are big <laughs> black boots to fill, and he did a, such a good job. And looking forward to episode nine. But that mm. is it for the Kessel Run. Let's run down the list real quick. Um, first, we have Ewan McGregor as Obi Wan Kenobi, Anthony Daniels as C three PO, Frank Oz as Yoda, Alan Tudyk as K two S O. James Earl Jones as the voice of Darth Vader, Carrie Fisher as Princess Leia, Oscar Isaac as Poe Dameron, Alec Guinness as Obi-Wan Kenobi, Alden Ehrenreich as Han Solo, Harrison Ford as Han Solo, Ian McDiarmid <laughs> as, as, uh, as Palpatine, and Adam Driver as Kylo Ren. So that's our list of 12. Let us know in the comments what you guys think about our Kessel Run. And then, of course, we want to know what your picks are. Who would you pick as the best casting decisions if they weren't on this list or if you agree with us? Uh, get the conversation continuing, and we may revisit this in the future, obviously, as more people are being cast in Star Wars. And we have to dive into maybe TV castings once we get more series out there. So um, not the end of this one, but we hope you enjoyed this Kessel Run. And now what we have to do is actually hear from you guys in your tweets. So we're going to send it over to Lacey Gillerin to go over resistance transmissions. Gillerin, not how you say my last name. What? Hi. What? You I said, said Gillerin. No, I didn't. Just, it, it's 1 a.m. Let's go. She's <laughs> <laughs> All right. It 1 is time. Thursday morning. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Breaking that fourth <laughs> it wall. It is time for resistance transmissions. <laughs> So you guys answer a crazy, wacky situation um, and you give your best answers and I read them. So here is the scenario. The scenario is you're captured by a bounty hunter, the Mandalorian. His his partner, Ugnolte, is about to carbon freeze you. What do you say to Ugnolte to convince (laughs) him to not freeze you and to let you go? The first Answer is from Cody is hurting some nerfs <laughs> at TV Cody. That's funny. And he said, anyone ever tell you you look remarkably remarkably like beloved character actor Wilford Brimley? Ruffian <laughs> bounty hunters are easily manipulated by flattery, or so I hear. <laughs> Next is Tom B140 at Tom140SW. And he said, if you freeze me, 3PO will become angry and use his magic. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> Next is Wes Alred at W Alred1976. And he said, Hey, hold on. I'll pay you triple. You're throwing a fortune away. Don't be a fool. <laughs> nice. Han Solo. Perfect. 
Oh, Han Solo. Yeah. That's Han Solo, Return yeah. of the Jedi. Um, next is that? Todd is ready for the Mandalorian. I wonder what he's excited <laughs> for. At Todd Knows Best. And he said, what's it going to take for you to ugh, not put me in carbon freeze? <laughs> Nice. Not that. <laughs> yeah. If you said that, he'd be like, "That's got to go in the, <laughs> the the dad joke Discord channel, Todd." Yeah. Danny at Chibigon eighty nine says, "Wait, did you ever hear the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise?" That's well done because that's a long story. That's <laughs> how <laughs> you buy time. <laughs> Next is Daddy Dameron at Austin Ooh. Hawker. Is that your favorite Twitter he- name? <laughs> no, but it's lovely, Austin. It's a lovely name. Um, oh, this is good. He said, wait, I know who Matt Smith plays in The Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> oh, that is a good one. That is a definite good one. Uh, next is Parkland Strong at Wide Awake 1981, and he said, save Martha. Nice. DC reference. I don't, oh, is that a DC reference? <gasps> Did you ever, a Marvel yeah. girl. Batman vs. Superman. Batman vs. Superman. Never seen it. Uh, next is Matt at MIB 1188. Is that Men, Men in Black? Yeah. Could be. Yeah. yeah. It also could he be said, Matt Ingress Baldwin. <laughs> I don't know. Ingress? What? I don't know. I was trying to think of any name that started with an I, and that was the first one that popped in my head. He said, I'm holding a thermal detonator. Oh, Oh, but he wasn't. No. It was just a rock. It was a rock. He made a clicking sound with his mouth. Right. Uh, Next, (laughs) last but not least. (laughs) How is this a thing? Is Ugnolty at Ugnolty <laughs> and it says it doesn't matter what you say, I'm still carbon freezing you. <laughs> Roll a reversal on this one, yeah. Well he came done. back, he found us and I said that- You can't so, shut me down. So we have I think that may be Hall of Fame. <laughs> I, I think that's a Hall of Famer too. Um, but I have to say this, we have, so when we come up with like bits and characters and we rename things on the podcast, there's a secret person who captures all of the Twitter handles (laughs) and just makes personality accounts and then tells us that they're doing it for us in case we ever need them. (laughs) And I can't reveal who this person is, but... But Ugnalty is followed by Lucasfilm employees. So. Right, yes. Lucasfilm employees who don't follow me follow Ugnalty <laughs> that I came up with. So that's that's my life. And Lacey calls it Ugnalt. And, you know, the whole thing. Yeah. So there we are. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. guys, thank you so much. Uh, that has been put in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. So who's in the Hall of Fame at this point? So we have Scott J. Rowe with the overrated Boba Fett comment. We have Genghis Dingus, who's the most reused <laughs> comment, who said... Browser history. Yeah, I hope Chewie deletes my browser history. And then there was a third one that I can't remember. Isn't um, it the Porg uh, one where he talked about the Porgs going to the Broadway musical? Yeah, that might have been it. 
Yeah, we gotta re- we gotta find. I gotta make the list. We gotta re- we gotta do the. Yeah. It was because it was so long and detailed. <laughs> it was if like I remember a whole, correctly. Whole, yeah, whole yeah, we gotta we had, somehow we gotta board. locate that one. Yeah, poor musical um, and now Ugnolty. And then now this. Yeah. So congrats. So Ugnolte. four Hall of Famers <laughs> in almost several hundred episodes. So it's yeah. it's an exclusive. It's a tough. Congrats, Ugnolty, whoever you are. <laughs> um, if you guys want to be on the show make sure to follow us on Twitter at R-B-A-T-S-W-N-N every week John puts up a crazy wacky situation and you guys uh, give us your answers <laughs> or make full fan accounts and give us answers uh, but yeah back to you John thank you so much uh, Lacey and thank you everyone who has been listening watching laughing and having a good time with us on this episode you know last week we got into a, a pretty serious contentious uh, discussion about the Game of Thrones guys and obviously this week we had some fun doing an evergreen list we like to change things up around here keep it fresh so make sure you are subscribed to us on Apple Podcasts SoundCloud Spotify and YouTube uh, if you're watching on YouTube how are you out there um uh, make sure you're heading to Star Wars News Net every day. StarWarsNewsNet.com for all of your latest Star Wars news, reviews, editorials, information, and more. If you guys are interested, I know you heard a lot this past week, and you know, thanks for listening to all of it, but our new Patreon updates for year two. If you want to check it out and become a part of it, go to Patreon.com slash Resistance Broadcast. We have five tiers, uh, a lot of new tier restructuring, a lot of new content, a new look. Uh, new perks, new benefits, a Discord server with over 15 channels. Uh, good time, positive, and that's hard to find these days, and we're very proud of that. Um, and and thanks to all of our current patrons. We have about I don't know, 120 or so of you right now, and we can't thank you enough, honestly, uh, especially our generals. Got to take my breath here again. Carmelo, Brian Shalito, Andrew Staley, Neil Lowry, Jeremy Myers, Neil Shaw, David Probus, John Reese. J.G. Kars, Seth Keim, and Val Trichkoff. We salute you. Thank you, General, so much for all your support. You're a big reason of why we're able to do what we do, including the Mando Fan Show, which we'll be having another episode tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow. So we'll be covering the second episode of The Mandalorian. Uh, so we're looking forward to that. And uh, we'll be back, as always, on Monday morning uh, with another episode right here on the resistance broadcast um you guys can find me on twitter at johnny hoey and uh james uh twitter and instagram at myra trunks lacy people can find me on twitter and instagram at lacy gillerin all right guys that's it enjoy your weekends and as always we'll see you around kids <laughs>